glad night this is. I so look forward to these Good Fridays when we gather as God's family, rejoice in the shed blood of the Lamb. I've done my part. And already I struggle to find favorite words from what has already been recited from scriptures. It is finished, must be among them. Is it finished for you? Do you have within your heart tonight the certainty that for you it is finished all that needs to be done to have your sin forgiven, to be made right with God, has been accomplished through the work of Jesus Christ? Is it it finished for you? The scripture we just read, or heard read, reminds us that our King Jesus, his death, um, is the fulfillment of what was pictured in that very first Passover, all the way back in in Exodus 12. So, so, So just think with me of Jesus when he met with his disciples in the upper room, um, before his arrest and his trials, uh, before uh, he uh, was beaten severely, before he was scourged uh, to nearly the point of death, uh, before a a crown of thorns was, was pressed into his head mercilessly, Uh, before the nails were driven into his hands and his feet, uh, uh, driven into the rough wood of that Roman cross, Jesus and his disciples were observing what God's people had observed throughout their history, the Passover. They remembered God delivering his ancient people who, who would eventually be known as Israel, Delivering them from their bondage in Egypt by means of blood. By means of blood. Surely you're familiar with what was read from Exodus. The blood of a perfect lamb. The the blood of a lamb without blemish was put on the doorposts of the Hebrew slaves' homes. Have you heard this? That blood, and only that blood, that blood alone, spared God's people as his wrath was poured out upon Egypt. How intently do you suppose God's people hoped in the blood of that lamb that night? The lamb gave its life for the freedom of God's people. The lamb by its shed blood uh, would set them free to live the life that God had called them to live, would free them to experience the future God had promised his people. And, and, And what a picture this is of Calvary. The Bible says Christ, our Passover lamb, also was sacrificed for us. I pray you believe tonight that only the blood of this lamb, this Jesus, God's spotless lamb, spares you from God's wrath for sin 
And you say tonight, what sin? Your sin. The sin you're born in bondage to and remain in apart from his grace. I pray you believe tonight that the blood of this lamb, this Jesus, is, is all sufficient to save you from sin's bondage and set you free to live the Godward life you were created to live. That this lamb's blood opens the door to a blessed and eternal life that God has promised. Now I could stop there, but I think you know that's not going to happen. <laughs> Many of you were here last Sunday. It was Palm Sunday, wasn't it? Palm branches and all of that. And, and so you might remember that, that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on that Palm Sunday, but the people then didn't call it Palm Sunday. Remember, we came up with that. It was known to the Jews as Lamb Selection Day. Thank you. So it's the Sunday before Passover, and every Jewish family was to select a lamb and inspect it to make sure it was indeed without blemish, without spot, without fault, as the scriptures required. So, so, so just picture this happening. The father in each family chose the lamb, and then the whole family was involved in this intense examination. Over the next four days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, that lamb chosen for each family over time, in, in short time, became their lamb. What, what do I mean by that? Well, 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 picture this in your mind. The children got to know the lamb. Think of how our little ones love to take care of and cuddle baby animals. Can you picture that? How long does that take, that heart connection? Not very long. The lamb wasn't kept out back someplace, out of sight, to be coldly ignored. The, the whole family got in on examining the lamb. It's almost as if the lamb kind of became part of the family. And don't think that odd. Because at least half of you have a dog that sleeps in your bed. And you, 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 know, you know exactly what this is. This, um, this spring, our grandkids... Have I mentioned that we have grandkids? <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it? This spring, our grandkids um, got little chicks. And I don't mean marshmallow peeps. I mean, they got baby chickens, man. And um, it's amazing how attached they get to those fluffy little things. And their, their parents have had to say on more than, than one occasion, don't, don't squeeze too hard, you know? Don't, don't love them too much. Um, I can't imagine how attached they might get and how quickly it would happen with a little lamb. Are you hearing this? Surely you can picture that happening in the Hebrew homes. The entire family 
every member of the family got attached to this lamb. This is God's design. I wonder tonight, are you attached to the lamb? Is is it a heart thing with you like that? Not something kept in the out back of your mind, coldly inspected a couple of times a year? We'll come back to that. Anyway, by, by the end of the week, by, say, Thursday, the selected lamb had uh, by then become their lamb um, for each person. Each person knew the lamb selected by the father from among the many um, as my lamb. And again, this, this is by God's design. Because the lamb was to be a personal sacrifice. The the lamb uh, was to be for each person's deliverance. The lamb was personal and precious to them, you could say. And And we're going in a direction now, aren't we, for sure? How precious is this Jesus? Do do you know him personally? The Jesus who rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, quite possibly via the sheep gate through which the Passover lambs would be uh, herded into the city, uh, is the one to whom John the Baptist pointed to one day and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. What, what, what do you mean by that? God the Father has selected his Lamb for his family, his people. This Lamb will deliver his people from their sins, from their bondage to sin, from sin's death, from sin's eternal hell. The blood of this lamb, this Jesus, sets free. Have you been set free? What else sets free? Nothing. Who else can save? Nobody. Only Jesus. Only the blood of the lamb. Shed for each person who knows this lamb, this Jesus, as my lamb. Can you say in that sense as we consider the lamb of God? Christ, my Passover lamb, also was sacrificed for me. And you know, this has always been God's economy. Blood for sin. Each person's sin. Ezekiel 18.20 puts it very succinctly. The soul who sins will die. Now just think about what that is saying. This is the word of God. The soul, not not the body. the, The soul that sins will die. 
the, the, the person you are that will live on after your body dies will perish eternally because of sin. Apart from grace, that is the destiny of every person born under the curse of sin. That's all of us. That's all of us. Each person is accountable to God for his own sin, for her own sin. And the world today says, oh, but God is love. He doesn't care what we think or what we do. And God is forgiving on that basis. Well, well, listen, friend, the God who is love says this, without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Hebrews 9.22. That's why we can read this Bible. You can pick up your Bible from, from, and read it from front to back and find that it is a very bloody book. It's startling when you do so. Because it's a record of the myriad sins of God's people throughout human history. What do we mean by sins? Well, idolatry, lying, theft, coveting, adultery, dishonoring parents, living in ways that dishonor God, refusing to live in ways that glorify God, which is what we were created to do. In other words, um, they were people just like you. And they were people just like me, you see. And all of that blood in ancient Israel's sacrifices, including Passover, foreshadowed, pictured this one lamb whose blood alone can wash away all of that for you. Take all of that away and make you right with God. This is the scandal of the gospel. The father has provided a lamb just as he said he would all the way back in Genesis. What what was it Abraham said to Isaac? God will provide for himself a lamb. What, What a son of promise is our Jesus. Anyway, this lamb business is all an echo of Passover and and its feast of unleavened bread. And so all week long, um, God's lamb was scrutinized. The father affirmed the lamb's perfections on behalf of his family, on behalf of his people. Jesus was examined by the Jewish religious leaders all that week that we call Passion Week. Did any of you um, read that part of Matthew's gospel that you don't need? Never mind, never mind. (laughs) A couple of you kind of, you know, it's it's okay. Um, Jesus was brought into the temple, into the Father's house, so to speak, and he was examined, wasn't he? The scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees unbelieving and malicious as they were, examined the authority and power and perfections of God's Lamb. How can you teach with the authority of God himself? Who do you think you are? How can you heal every disease and physical deformity 
that flows from sin's curse. How is it that you have power over death itself? So that the blind and the lame and the, and the mourning cry out to you in desperation and, 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 and are healed and, and consoled and in their jealousy they inspected the lamb. By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority, says Matthew 21. And all the while, what's happening in the Hebrew homes? They're examining their own Passover lambs, aren't they? In each of their homes, just as God the Father allowed his lamb to be examined. Jesus was examined by the Jewish crowds. We looked at that on Sunday last. What what was their verdict? Remember, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Think about what they're saying. Jesus is the king whom God always promised to send his people and his world. Jesus is the second Adam who's come to get it right where the first Adam failed miserably. Jesus is the descendant of David in in Psalm 2, the the Lord's anointed king. He's he's divine. He's, He's heaven's king. And he'll one day judge the nations, this lamb. He's the one sent from heaven, the scripture says. The son born to us, as Isaiah the prophet said. The son of God, born from heaven to die. And then rise again and one day bring heaven to this earth. And he started to do it now, one heart at a time, surrendered to this lamb who is king. I wonder tonight, is your heart surrendered to the lamb who is king? And I don't want you all who are in the chapel to think I'm not asking you either. <laughs> Jesus is the one who brings the new covenant by, uh, promised by God through uh, the prophet Jeremiah. L- listen to this new covenant promise. Behold, days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will cut a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I cut with their fathers in the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them. But this is the covenant which I will cut with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So as Jesus hung on that bloody cross and said with his dying breath, it is finished. He meant that he has paid to atone for the sins of his people. He has satisfied the wrath of the Father for the sins of his people. And he has said to all, they are mine. I will be their God and they will be my people. You know, Jesus was even examined by, I guess what you and I might call church people in in that era. Um, And as they measured him, they discovered that um, he was also measuring them. And how many of you know Jesus still measures his church people today? 
And Jesus threw the religious phonies out of the temple, didn't he? Jesus threw out the proud who don't think they need him. Jesus throws out the posers who love to sing of the new covenant while not being covered by its blood. And the profiteers, those who use religion simply to to benefit themselves or to use others. What a cleansing it was, this temple cleansing. And in cleansing the temple, remember, Jesus claimed the temple as only God can. And, and, And where is this temple now? Well, it's not there in Jerusalem. The place God chooses to dwell with his people today is the heart, the heart of his people. There is a sense in which, are you still listening? There's a sense in which um, Jesus' entire life was an examination and display of his perfections, his sufficiency as our Passover lamb was always on display. This lamb who is both savior and king, who who is both man and God. And so I I, I do wonder this morning, have have you, this this evening, have have you considered the lamb's perfections for you? Don't let this moment pass you by. You you might not get another. Jesus alone is the sinless one. You are not. Nor am I. He only and always loved the Father with his whole heart and mind and soul. Jesus only and always loved his neighbor as himself. You and I haven't done that today. Jesus joyfully kept the law of God every day of his life, and he did it for you. He did it for me. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He did it in order to exchange your sin for his righteousness. What a scandal this is. What is your measure of this Jesus then? Do do you not feel tonight the weight of his measure of you? I mean, when you're judged by God, will will it be the record of your living for him that's used? Or, Or will it be the record of his perfections lived for you? That's the issue, isn't it? And you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't really believe in any of that. Um, let, let, let me just say this. Do you realize that God's word is not true depending on whether you believe it or not? Do you realize that? That is the prevailing lie in our day. Um, everybody has their own truth. And everybody's truth is right. And you know, that's as dumb as it sounds. And, and the thing of it is, is it, it's not funny. It's spiritually fatal. 
Here's the truth. The father has inspected his lamb and declared his satisfaction. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This makes Jesus alone sufficient to be your mediator, sufficient to be your advocate with the Father, the one who brings you to the Father, to God, sinner though you are, his blood and his blood alone. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Matthew 17, 5. And what does God the eternal son say to you this night? Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king is coming again. Be sure you're ready. Trust in me, says the king. Believe in me, says the lamb. Follow me, says Jesus. Well, that gets us to the communion table, doesn't it? And as, as we come to the communion table tonight, I, I again want to just remind you that its origins are all to do with this, this Passover business. And Passover had a ritual, just like our holidays have a ritual. Everybody here knows that you have turkey on Thank you for not messing that one up for me. <laughs> Passover had its rituals. You go rogue on the other holidays, I know, but Thanksgiving. Here, here was the ritual for Passover. At four particular moments during the Passover meal, uh, the person presiding over it would hold up a cup of wine and, and rehearse a part of Israel's deliverance from Egypt. Uh, And each cup um, told of a particular promise of God, a promised freedom from slavery, a a promised renewed relationship with God. And it was in taking the third cup, and that first Passover, or excuse me, that last Passover that Jesus had with his men, the third cup that our Savior really departed from the script that had always been used. And it was in taking the third cup that Jesus began to explain more fully that he was and is the Passover lamb slain for his people's freedom from sin. It's his sacrifice that assures your forgiveness and right standing with God. Do you believe this? So so it begs the question, does it not? Who should eat the piece of bread tonight? Who, Who should drink the cup tonight? Do you realize that matters to God? Is it everybody in the building? Quite possibly not. I, I wouldn't presume to know that. That's between each heart in this place and Almighty God. But here's who should take the bread and the cup. Um, All of Jesus' disciples. All who trust in him. All, All who believe upon him. 
not those who think themselves worthy without him. And don't ask yourself tonight, do I have enough faith? How many of you know you are saved by the strength of your Savior, not the strength of your faith? And don't ask yourself tonight, have have I repented of enough of my sins? I mean, what if I left one of them out, such as my track record? Well, be encouraged tonight, friend. This supper is for sinners. This, This supper is a supper of grace for those who know they are not worthy of this outrageously generous gift of forgiveness and eternal life and yet gladly receive it by faith in Christ alone. Amen? Amen. So as the bread comes around, take it by faith. As, As the cup comes around, take it by faith. Take it if in doing so you are saying, you know, this this lamb, this lamb, Jesus, is my lamb. Let's just bow our hearts together now as we prepare for the bread and the cup.
Scripture says that of that Passover meal, while they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. Let's give thanks. Father, we thank you so much for sending us your perfect spotless lamb. We thank you so much for sending to us your people the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, we thank you that through his loving, strong work for us, it really is finished. Our sin is forgiven. You accept us, each one of us, each man and woman and boy and girl among us tonight who knows you as my lamb. Lord, you accept us as you accept your son. And Jesus, tonight we just gather as your people and we say thank you. Thank you. Jesus took some bread, the scripture says, and after a blessing, he broke it. And giving it to the disciples, he said, take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he he gave it to them saying, drink from it. All of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. And then Jesus said this, but I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. What a wonderful promise there is for us, friends, in those words. We have an expression in English. 
I'm going to do this if it kills me. It's, a, it's, a, it's an oath, right? And Jesus is using in that verse, Matthew 26, 29, the, the language of an oath. I will bring you into my kingdom if it kills me. And it did. But how many of you know death's grip could not hold him? The king is alive today. We serve a risen savior. And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I sometimes think there should be more juice. It's a bit dry. And, and that always used to bother me. It always used to, I always used to feel bad about thinking that. I tell you why I don't anymore. Because every time we take communion like this, it's just an appetizer. It's, it's, it's not the meal. It's the hors d'oeuvre, right? It's the tasting and seeing the goodness of God because the kingdom is coming in its fullness and there is the marriage supper of the lamb and all of its bounty that awaits God's people. And we are the sons and daughters of God now by grace. But the scripture says it does not yet appear what we will be when we meet for that great feast at our king's return and when his kingdom arrives in its fullness. May God give us grace to live toward that day. Let me just say before we close and then I'll stop talking. Um, but, but if you're a stickler for Passion Week and some of you are, that's okay. Uh, but, but if you are a stickler, you, you might be thinking, well, we haven't really gotten to the events of Good Friday yet. Not in, not in the scriptures. And, and really that's true. It was Thursday evening in, in which Jesus so wonderfully repurposed that Passover meal. And, and if you read through Matthew's Passion Week account this past week, um, and, and by that I'm, I'm referring to the two of you who read your hand, raised your hands earlier, um, you, you, you realize that Jesus was examined by the Gentiles too, wasn't he? And what was the verdict? Have nothing to do with that righteous man, Pilate's wife said. Righteous man. And then the Roman governor himself, Pilate, what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? What evil did he do? None. None. Unlike his accusers, Jesus was innocent. Isaiah called it long before, didn't he? But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our peace fell upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But God has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter. So before we sing our last hymn together tonight, let's hear now of Friday, that, that good Friday, when our Passover lamb was slain for us.